chapter 1 is where we're at. And we're beginning a Christmas uh, series today, uh, every Sunday in the month of December. Uh, we are going to be uh, preaching on a series I've called the, A Christmas Alleluia. And we're going to be looking at the original songs uh, that were sung around that first Christmas day. Of course, we've now entered into the Christmas season and the world is going to celebrate all types of strange things uh, during this time period. If you uh, need to know what kind of strange things you're going to celebrate, you need, you need to do no more than go back and watch the Parade of Lights from yesterday, okay? Um, all kinds of crazy things going on there. And the world celebrates all types of things, and almost to a certain extent they can uh, try to celebrate all the other traditional things that have come along with the Christian celebration of Christmas uh, that they forget what it's really supposed to be all about. But we as believers, we know what it's all about. We celebrate our Savior Jesus Christ who came down to this earth to save us from our sins. And that's the reason for this season. And we ought not to forget it as the church. And you know, one of my favorite things about the Christmas season are the Christmas carols. How many of you like singing Christmas carols, huh? Um, I love it. I, I love the fact that during this season, even, uh, even uh, 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 people in, in maybe a public school setting who uh, don't even believe in uh, the gospel or Jesus Christ, they might have their kids sing a, a song in a program that actually communicates the gospel. I like hearing those kinds of things. I like walking into stores and they're talking about Jesus because they're singing Christmas songs. And There's just something special about that to me. And what would Christmas be without Christmas carols? Um, some of you might actually enjoy it a little bit more. I don't know, you Grinch, but uh, I lay that aside. Uh, now, the only debate about Christmas carols really centers around when they should begin to be, 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 uh, begin to be sung, all right? So how many of you are of the opinion after Thanksgiving, that's when it's okay to start singing Christmas carols? Thank you. Thank you. Sensible people, okay? <laughs> Sensible people. How many of you, um, you, are, you it, it, it hits November and you just can't wait, all right? You just have to start singing them, all right? There you go, all right? Not as sensible, but that's okay. We'll forgive you for that. All right, why don't you just point to the person that you already know, they sing Christmas carols year-round, okay? Um, there you go, all right? They're out of their minds, they're crazy. Um, and that's really the only debate uh, that we have about Christmas carols here today. But, you know, did you know that uh, Christmas carols have been something that have defined this season from the very beginning? As soon as the announcement was made that Jesus was going to be born, the songs began to be sung. And, and if you look in the gospel accounts, there are actually five different expressions of hallelujah, not the literal word, but of people, when they found out that Jesus was born or was going to be born, they began to sing songs of praise to the Lord for the fact that he was sending the coming Messiah. And uh, these songs have defined this celebration of Christmas from the very beginning. And so as we study these Christmas Alleluias this season, may our hearts be filled with many of the reasons that we still have to sing songs of praise, to sing Alleluia to the Lord still to this day on this Christmas. The first Alleluia we're going to look at is in Luke chapter number 1. And uh, this Alleluia has often been referred to as Mary's song or some may call it the Magnificant. Um, how many of you have heard of Mary's song before? And it's a, it's a special one, one of my favorites in the Christmas story. And this is a song of praise that Mary expressed to the Lord after she received the news that God had chosen her to be the one to bear His Son into the world. And I want you to notice the words of her song uh, as we begin here in Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 46. If you're there, say Amen. All right, now there's a lot of people in here, and there's only five people that said amen. All right, and uh, we're going to have to work on that. No, I'm just kidding with you. Verse number 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. And so the song continues. And Mary, as she sang this song of praise to the Lord, she recounted how this song would be carried on of praise, the song of praise would be carried on from generation to generation. And here we are, thousands of years later, 
still talking about this song that Mary sung in praise to the Lord after the announcement that she was going to bear Jesus into this world. And then the events that surround Mary expressing this Alleluia of praise to the Lord, there are three important truths that we discover that I believe will teach us how you and I can sing Alleluia's of praise to God during any season of life that you may find yourself in. Let's just be honest, okay? Christmas isn't easy for everybody. Right? For some of you, you're excited about the season, your family's all together, but for others of you, your family's not together anymore. Either by divorce or death, there's been a separation. Some of you, the holidays are just a downright hard time of the year because you love spending time with family, but it also reminds you of ones that you've loved who are no longer there to celebrate with. I know it's hard. Can I tell you, no matter what season of life you're in, God can give you a reason to sing Alleluia. And I want you to notice from this account in the Scripture what the Bible has to tell us about that. So let's pray together and ask God to speak to our hearts, and we'll jump into our study today. Our Father, we come before you, and Lord, we certainly need your help today. And uh, this is such a beautiful passage of Scripture. Um, Lord, it's really beyond my capacity to convey all the wonderful truth that's here And nor do we have the time to convey all the truth that's here. But you have certain things you'd like to be brought forth today. And I pray that your spirit would take uh, the meager words of my mouth and communicate your beautiful, eternal, preserved truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, work in our hearts today and help us to understand how our hearts can be filled with a hallelujah during this season of Christmas. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Three truths in this passage that teach us how we can sing Alleluia during any season of life. The first one I want you to note down, uh, if you're taking notes this morning, is the prelude to the Alleluia. The The prelude to the Alleluia. You see, before we can really consider the significance of the Alleluia that Mary gave to the Lord in the verses that we've already read, we need to go back and consider the prelude what the events that happened in her life that led up to the moment where she was so compelled to sing out a song of praise to the Lord. You see, before Mary was compelled to sing Alleluia, God had already been working in her life, revealing himself to her, working on her behalf. And it was the things that happened in her life before she ever sang Alleluia that compelled her to speak those words. And let me tell you something, before you can truly sing a heartfelt Alleluia of praise to the Lord, you're going to have to recognize how God has been working in your life because it is the person of God and the work of God that provokes us to want to praise him for who he is and for what he has done for us. And so as we consider this prelude to the Alleluia, I want you to notice first of all that this prelude to the Alleluia involves the providence of God. Now go back in your Bibles with me to chapter 1 and verse number 26. You're still with me, say amen. Verse 26, the Bible says this, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee, unto Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It's interesting to me that God here, in his providence, orchestrated the life of certain individuals together in such a way to fulfill his perfect plan in each one of their lives. In this passage of scripture, we see that God sent his angel, a messenger, to a poor young girl who was engaged to a poor young man who lived in a small city that was despised by the rest of their country, Nazareth. Nobody thought anything good could come from Nazareth. And here this angel appeared on the scene to meet these poor two young people. Uh, separately the angel met them and what I find to be interesting about this that it was in this most unlikely of places and to these most unlikely of people that God began to unfold his great divine plan that had been predetermined from the very foundations of the world that he was going to send his son into the world and you know uh, the fact is uh, unbeknownst to the people who were surrounding there this young woman who uh, uh, conceived a child of God and this young man whom she was engaged to be married to both of them were from the lineage of the kings of Israel and that's significant because of Bible prophecy and who Jesus is and what he was supposed to do on the behalf of the people of Israel and so God in his sovereignty and his providential uh, watch care over, over his creation was orchestrating these events together in what seemed like a 
uh, uh, little to do type of way. It, 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 most people would have looked at the circumstance, this poor family having a baby, what appeared to be out of wedlock, and they wouldn't have thought much of it. In fact, they probably would have looked down on it. But God was using this situation to fulfill his great sovereign will in this world to bring about the redemption of all mankind. Let me tell you something. Oftentimes, what will compel you to sing an alleluia of praise to God are the small, seemingly insignificant circumstances of your life that God orchestrates together for his great purposes. You may be in a little bit of a down season of your life right now. You may be going through a little bit of a difficult time in your life right now. There may be things happening in your life that you don't understand, that you can't wrap your mind around. Uh, and all of us go through seasons of like, life like this, and, and you may not understand what you're going through in the season of life that you're in, but let me encourage you today, friend. Just hang on. You may just be in the prelude to your hallelujah. See, the fact of the matter is, God's still working in your life. And even if you can't understand it, and even if you, don't, you can't see it right now, you just wait 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you may look back and say, Hallelujah, God, I didn't see what you were doing, but I see it now. And boy, that's what was happening here in Joseph and Mary's life. And so we see this prelude to the hallelujah. It involves the providence of God. But a second thing I see that it involves is, the, is a presentation of grace. Look at verse number 28 with me here. The Bible says in verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, or rejoice, or be glad, for thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed or praised are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. That angelic messenger on that day appeared to Mary to tell her that she had a reason to be glad. And the reason that she had to be glad is because she was highly favored of God. That phrase, highly favored, it literally means that God had surrounded her with his grace. I love that, I love that phrase in the scripture. God had revealed to her his grace in a magnificent way. And boy, the Bible tells us when Angel heard this, Mary make, when Mary heard this angel make this pronouncement, well, she was terrified. And she began to try to figure out what, what are you talking about? Who are you? She was scared to death. Immediately, I love what God had the angel do. The angel spoke her name, said, Mary. I told her, this, this person knows who I am. And he said, Mary, you have no reason to fear. Uh, and then what did he say there in verse 30? You have found favor with God. That found favor literally means that she had been met with God's favor. God had met her with his grace. And what, what, what was the angel talking about? Well, we'll go on in a minute and find out. God was just about to put his son, Jesus Christ, within her womb. And uh, Jesus Christ was about to enter into her life. And if that isn't being met with grace, I don't know what is. You know, the, uh, a good definition of grace is, grace is uh, God giving us what we do not deserve and we could never earn. The fact of the matter is, as we look at Mary in the, in the scriptures here, God did not meet Mary with grace because she deserved it. There are some religions that try to teach that Mary was a sinless person and uh, that she was a privileged uh, person. They even try to pray to Mary. The fact of the matter is, uh, Mary was a very wonderful, godly woman, but she was a sinner just as much as you and I are. She was not met with grace because she deserved it, but it, it, she was met with grace because it was God's grace being poured out in her life. She didn't deserve it. She didn't earn it, but God just gave it to her. That's the whole essence of what grace is, by the way. And so she had been met with God's grace. And let me say in the same way, when you are met with God's grace along your life's journey, that will compel you to sing an alleluia of praise to the Lord. What am I talking about? Well, how about the day you got saved? How about the day that God revealed Jesus to you? You were met with Jesus Christ. You realized you needed him to save you. And you invited him into, into your heart and you had Jesus enter into your life. Friend, that day is a reason to look back on and say, hallelujah. My life has never been the same since I met Jesus Christ. Oh, but God still, for those of us who are believers, meets us with his grace. In small and unsuspecting ways, he pours out blessings on our life that we don't deserve. And every time we get a manifestation of that grace in our life, it ought to compel us to go on and sing a hallelujah of praise to the Lord. And so what's the prelude to the hallelujah? 
Well, it involves the providence of God. It involves the presentation of grace. But I want you to see a third thing here, and that is that it involves a proclamation of the gospel, a proclamation of the gospel. The angel, as he's speaking to Mary, he went on to reveal more to Mary about this gift of grace that he was talking about. Verse number 31. If you're still with me, say amen. Hope you got your Bible open. Verse number 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name what, church? Jesus. Jesus. All right. Verse 32. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom or dominion there shall be no end. The, the angel went on to reveal to Mary here that this gift of grace he was talking about her receiving was a baby. But it wasn't just any baby. This baby was going to be the Savior, he said. This baby was going to be the Supreme One, the Son of the Highest. This baby was going to be the Son of God. He was going to be the eternal sovereign who had dominion over all of the universe, over all cases of time and space. That's who this baby was going to be. It was no insignificant child that she was going to be blessed to bear into this world. And really, if you think about it, what this angel was proclaiming to Mary in this moment was the gospel. The angel told Mary, you're going to have a son who's going to come into this world to fulfill God's redemptive plan for his creation. And friend, the purpose for why Jesus came into this world was to finish the work of the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection that makes it possible for you and I to be saved. And on this day, when this angel proclaimed this news to Mary, it was a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, when you get a hold of who Jesus is, and when you get a hold of what Jesus has accomplished for you and I, it ought to compel your heart to sing a hallelujah of praise to the Lord. You see, Jesus, the name Jesus, it's a Greek word that, that literally means Jehovah is salvation. That's who Jesus is. He's the one that came into this world to save us from our sins. But that's not where the gospel starts, or, or that's not where the gospel stops. Uh, the fact of the matter is, the gospel is still relevant for you and I, even if we've already received Jesus Christ as our Savior. The gospel impacts our everyday life. The gospel is God's continuing unfolding, uh, creating us into his own image and forming and fashioning us into his own image. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to encompass all of eternity. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7 tells us that in the ages to come, God is going to continue to show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Don't you understand? Because of what Jesus has come and what Jesus has accomplished for us, we are going to be singing hallelujahs of praise to God throughout all of eternity as God continues to unpack and unfold to us the wonderful things that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. Friend, I wonder this morning, does the gospel of Jesus Christ still fill your heart with praise today? Never forget it. I once was criticized um, uh, for preaching the gospel too much behind this pulpit. I asked the person, why are you leaving our church? And they said, well, you just preach the gospel too much. I thought, well, if that's my criticism, then I'll take that. I'm glad that you think I preach the gospel too much. I'm friend, friend, that's where it all starts, and that's what it's all about right there. And uh, when you truly get your mind grasped around the gospel, it ought to lead your heart to want to sing a hallelujah of praise to God. This prelude to a hallelujah, it involves the providence of God. It involves the uh, uh, proclamation of the gospel. It involves a presentation of grace. But I want you to see a fourth thing here that it involves, and that is that it involves the power of God. Now, to say that this was startling news is to put it lightly for Mary. You're going to have a baby. And uh, that's shocking news for any of us, okay, um, to find out that news. And so naturally it led Mary to ask a question in verse 34. Notice what she said. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, I don't believe that Mary asked this question because she didn't believe God. I believe she did believe God. Um, but she was asking because she knew God was going to do it, but she didn't understand how. Um, how God was going to do it. And so she asked this question, and God proceeded to reveal to Mary the miraculous manner in which she was going to conceive this child. Verse 35, if you're there with me, say amen. amen. And the angel answered and said unto her, 
The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called what, church? The Son of God. In a mysteriously miraculous way, the Bible told us that Mary was going to conceive this child in her womb. I like that word overshadowed that's used here in verse 35. It's a word that's earlier in other places of the scripture used to describe uh, God's presence in the holy of holies of the tabernacle and of the temple. And the literal picture of what's being portrayed here is that Mary's womb was going to become a holy of holies for the very presence of God. What a powerful uh, thought that is to think about that. And as Mary thought about these things, the truth is, to her and any of us, all of this was impossible. How is she going to have a baby um, without ever being with a man? And uh, this is impossible. And, but I'm glad that we serve a God who specializes in the realm of impossible. Amen? And uh, as God foretold it was going to happen, even so, it came to pass. And God went on to demonstrate to Mary by way of an example how he can do impossible things. You go on to verse number 36. This is what God, uh, the angel told Mary here. He said, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren before. And read that verse 37 with me out loud. For with God, nothing. Nothing shall be impossible with God. You know, I was thinking about this when I saw Brother Travis walk in this morning. I remember for years we prayed for, for you and, and Bree to be able to have, have a child. And every time I see little Griffin now, I'm reminded of the fact that she's a walking miracle. She's an answer to prayer. And I'm glad that the same God who allowed someone who couldn't have children to be able to have children, even uh, even in old, old age like Elizabeth, he's still the same God that can do that today. And we serve a miracle-working God still to this day. And God said, listen, Mary, you know you don't know, you don't understand how this is possible, but I just need you to trust me because I can do impossible things. And he reassured her with that there. And you know, uh, the fact is, um, as, as we uh, think about this, when you see God work the impossible in your life, that ought to most certainly fill your heart with a hallelujah of praise to him. How often do we look at a circumstance and say, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. That, that will never happen. And we pray, we trust God, and God does the impossible. Friend, when that happens in your heart, when that happens in your life, it ought to fill your heart with saying, hallelujah, God, I didn't know it was possible. I didn't think it could come to pass, but you made it happen. I like what the Bible says in uh, Psalm 113 and verse 9, he makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Or in, or in Latin we could say hallelujah. Praise. He makes the barren to be able to conceive children and God can take your impossible situation and he can make it a possibility by his power. You can be sure of that here today. As we look at this prelude to a hallelujah, we see God doing all kinds of things that made Mary, Mary want to come back later and say a hallelujah of praise to the Lord I want you to look at verse 38 before we move on and notice that after Mary experienced this supernatural encounter with God, notice how she responded in verse number uh, 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's response was a response of humility and of faith. She didn't understand what God was doing. She didn't understand how it was going to happen. But she said, God, your will be done. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm an open book. I'll do and I'll be what you want me to be. And I love the faith and the, and the uh, humility of Mary's response there. Can you imagine if Mary hadn't surrendered? Well, God certainly could have used someone else to bring his son into the world. But she would have missed out on her life's greatest hallelujah. I want you to think about this with me before we move on. Because oftentimes... Because you and I are not willing to surrender to God's will and what we know God is leading us to do, we will miss some of the greatest hallelujahs that God wants to give us a reason to express in our lives. Friend, your best option is just to do what God's asking you to do. You say, I don't understand it. I don't know how it's possible. I don't care, friend. You can trust God. And God will bring it to pass. And uh, what an important thing that is for us to understand. Romans 12 and verse 1, Paul said, I beg you, 
I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, because God is so loving, kind, and good that you present yourself a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And friend, you live your life as a living sacrifice for God. Whatever God wants to do with you, you do it, and you will find throughout the course of your life many reasons to sing a hallelujah of praise to the Lord. So first of all, the first truth we need to understand to know how we can sing a hallelujah of praise in any season of our life is the prelude to the hallelujah. Number two, I want you to notice with me the participants in the hallelujah. After receiving this astounding news, the Bible goes on to tell us that Mary scurried off, she hurried off as fast as she could to go to the house of her cousin Elizabeth, whom God had just revealed to her was pregnant too. She didn't feel like she could talk to anybody else about this, but Elizabeth was pregnant too. And Elizabeth was in on this information, and so she ran off to Elizabeth's house. The Bible says in verse number 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And uh, during her visit there with Elizabeth, we find that there were three people who got involved in Mary's hallelujah of praise. There was Elizabeth, there was Mary, and there was an unborn child who we'll later discover is John the Baptist. These three were involved in this hallelujah of praise. And as we look at them in the scripture from these three people, we discover what I believe are three ways that we can raise a hallelujah of praise to God. In other words, these three people uh, d d demonstrate for us the three types of people who are involved in a hallelujah. I want you to note the first one down with me here. And that is this, there's the one who realizes, the one who realizes the blessing. Verse number 41, notice what the Bible goes on to tell us. Now as parent, or no, I'm reading chapter 2, verse number 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation or the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And what an interesting circumstance uh, happened there for uh, Elizabeth. Just as soon as, as Mary greeted uh, Elizabeth, the Bible says that, that Elizabeth, she knew. She knew that she was pregnant, and she knew who she was pregnant with. The Messiah, the one who had been promised to come in this world, the baby within her womb, he jumped for joy as, as soon as he heard Mary's voice. And, and in that instant, Elizabeth, who was filled with the Spirit, she began to sing her own hallelujah of praise at the, at the, at, after she had uh, uh, received or been revealed to the news that Jesus was coming into this world. Look what she said in verse 42. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? In my mind, I'm thinking, uh, Mary's coming in. Mary, uh, no, I don't know how Mary greeted Elizabeth. I mean, Mary could have come in and said, I'm pregnant. Uh, I don't think that's what she did, though. Okay? I think she said hi, and the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and she just knew. And she got filled with the Spirit and started praising God that the Messiah was coming. And the Bible says she did it with a loud voice. And I'm sure Mary's like, be quiet, nobody knows about this yet, okay? Um, I just get all these pictures in my head. But boy, she started singing this praise out to the Lord when she realized who it was that was inside of Mary's womb. And the Bible tells us that Elizabeth shouted this Christmas hallelujah because she had realized the blessing the world was about to be given within the womb of Mary. In fact, she was, she was oh, so overcome with this blessing that she literally said there in, in verse number 43, and whence is this to me, to me? What that literally means is, how could this happen for someone like me? Why did I get so blessed to be someone who could be revealed the truth about Jesus Christ? And be able to be one who gets to see the day that the Messiah comes into the world. And she was just so overcome. And so one of the people involved in a hallelujah is the person who, re who realizes the blessing. And let me tell you, when you realize the blessing that God has given to us in his son, Jesus Christ, it ought to fill your heart with the desire to shout a hallelujah of praise to the Lord. It ought to. You understand, there are people in this room and people all over this world the reality and the gravity of Jesus, who he is, and why he came into this world have never hit them before. But the moment you realize who Jesus really is, not just a name in a storybook, he's the Lord of heaven, he's the creator of the universe, and he's the only savior of mankind from their sin. 
and you truly realize who Jesus is, that changes your life. That ought to, that ought to lead your heart to a, a, a place of praise to the Lord. I like the old hymn, And Can It Be That I Should Gain an Interest in the Savior's Love. Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can this be that thou, my God, shouldest die for me? And that's, that's the same heart that Elizabeth had, that the, the hymn writer had when he said, how can this be? And boy, that ought to fill your heart with a hallelujah when you realize what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. So the first person we find who uh, is involved in a hallelujah is the one who realizes the blessing. The second person is the one who rejoices in the blessing. Look at verse number 44 with me here. And we'll find here that it was not just Elizabeth who praised God, who sang a hallelujah of praise when, they, when she found out the news about Jesus in Mary's womb. But verse 44, she indicates there's another. Elizabeth saying here, For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, read the last phrase of the verse with me, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. There was an unborn child. We'll later find out it was John the Baptist. He's still inside of Elizabeth's womb. The Bible says when he came into the, into the presence of Jesus Christ within uh, Mary's womb. He leaped for joy. Uh, it's interesting, if you go back earlier in Luke chapter 1, when the Bible foretells that John was going to be born, the angel told Zacharias that he was going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Many people believe that it was at this moment, when he came into the presence of, the, of Jesus Christ within Mary's womb, that he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he leaped for joy. And by the way, let me say this, because it needs to be said in the day and time we live in, that unborn child experienced joy in his mother's womb. He experienced emotion in his mother's womb. And it warrants to be said, life begins at conception. You can mark it down. And we as Christians ought to continue to stand and fight for the abolition of abortion in our day and time. This is not a political statement. This is a biblical statement. If there's anybody who should fight for life, it should be uh, God's people. And uh, we see that demonstrated here from John the Baptist, even as he rejoices from the womb. And so this unborn child, John, shouted a hallelujah of praise as he rejoiced in the blessing that God was sending down into this world. And friend, when God reveals to you and you become aware of the blessing of Jesus Christ coming into this world, every year when we come back to Christmas, we have another reason to joy again in the fact that Jesus Christ would come down in this world and die for sinners like you and me. So the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Who's supposed to be involved in a hallelujah? Well the one who realizes the blessing. The one who rejoices in the blessing. But a third person I see is this. The one who receives the blessing. The one who receives the blessing. You see the final person who shouted hallelujah on that day of course was Mary. We're really looking at Mary's hallelujah here today. And she was the one who had personally received the blessing of Jesus Christ within her life. The Bible tells us Mary, uh, indicating to Mary why she has reason to praise the Lord for what has happened to her. It says in verse 45, And blessed, or that literally means happy, is she that has believed, for there shall be a performance or a finishing of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth told Mary, that she could be happy for trusting God with this opportunity because God was going to do, even though she didn't understand how it was going to happen, God was going to do everything he said he was going to do in her life. And she had a reason to be happy, a reason to sing a hallelujah of praise to the Lord. And, you know, uh, uh, Elizabeth was probably the first person that Mary told that she was pregnant. And I'm sure she had all kinds of anxieties. She wasn't a married woman. What are people going to think about me? What are people going to say about me? But I love it when she got into Elizabeth's presence and she told her what God had done in her life. Elizabeth didn't say, well, that's not possible. Won't you tell me the truth? That's probably what I would have done, okay, if I'm being honest. No, that couldn't happen. No, what did Elizabeth do? She rejoiced with her. And she encouraged her. And God help us to be the type of friends to one another that when God starts working in our life, we don't tear each other down, we build each other up. I'm, I'm sure that Mary was glad she had a family member, a friend like Elizabeth in her life during this, at this point in time. You know, the truth is, 
Mary sang a hallelujah because she had received the blessing of Jesus into her life. And those of us who know Jesus, who have Jesus in our lives, we have been given the greatest reason to sing a hallelujah of praise to God during this season. I don't know what people do without Jesus. I don't understand how they get through the circumstances of life. I don't know how to function without having my Lord and Savior with me to be able to call out to and turn to through all of the seasons of life. And Mary certainly had a reason to sing Alleluia as the Son of God came to live within her womb at that moment in time. And the fact is, uh, throughout eternity, those of us who have Jesus in our lives, we're going to be continuing to sing Hallelujahs of praise to Him. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Friend, if you don't like singing Alleluia, a praise to God right here, you're going to be very uncomfortable in heaven. We're going to be doing it forever and have even more reasons to do so there. And so as we look at uh, these truths that, that teach us how we can sing an hallelujah in any season of life, we've seen the prelude to the hallelujah. We have seen the participants in the hallelujah. But the final thing I want us to see and will be done is the proclamation of the hallelujah. Finally, the moment came where Mary personally expressed this hallelujah of praise to the Lord and I believe that in the words of praise that she expresses to the Lord here in verses 46 through 55, the Bible teaches us how we ought to proclaim our own alleluias of praise to the Lord. And listen, we say the word alleluia, and most of the time when I hear somebody say hallelujah or alleluia, they're saying it um, in a joking manner, um, if I'm being honest. But really, it's such a beautiful word in the Scripture. And it expresses a way that we are to call other people to praise God with us. That's what Alleluia is all about. I want to bring this to the bottom shelf because as we see, see Mary express this Alleluia of praise to the Lord, she really teaches us how we ought to do the same thing and how we can sing an Alleluia of praise in our own life. And I want you to see this with me. So to proclaim a biblical Alleluia, you must first of all praise God for who He is. Praise God for who He is. He is. So I want you to notice how Mary did this in verse number 46. You're still with me? Say amen. amen. Some of you are starting to look a little sleepy, all right? I can do jumping jacks. I can do all kinds of things if you need to. Be, no, I'm just kidding with you. Verse 46, and Mary said, here's their alleluia, my soul doth magnify or make great the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary here begins to reveal something significant about how we're supposed to worship God, how we can sing a hallelujah of praise to God. I want you to see in these verses that she speaks of two acts of worship. You might circle these in your Bible. First, she says that her soul magnifies the Lord. And then she says that her spirit rejoices in God. Now, that word magnify is in the present tense. It means it was happening right then. The word rejoice is in the past tense. It means it had happened before. And so the, what the scripture is showing us here is that her soul was able to magnify God in the present because her spirit had already rejoiced in God in the past and what God had done. And a spirit that rejoices in God leads to a soul that can truly magnify God. I'm going to say that again because I want you to get this down. A spirit that rejoices in God leads to a soul or that can truly magnify God. Now, uh, this might be a little confusing if you don't understand the difference between the soul and the spirit. Your soul is uh, the seat of your emotions. It's the emotional side of your being. It's the part of you that relates to other people. That's your soul. Uh, from your soul, you express yourselves to other people. The spirit, on the other hand, is not emotional at all. Your, the spirit part of your being is the part of your being that relates to God. When you're born into this world, you're spiritually dead. When you, when you receive Christ into your life, 
you become aware of God once again and can have a relationship with God once again. And so this is important for us to understand what I'm trying to get across to you here. Let's go back to Mary. When Mary said that her spirit rejoiced in God, she was speaking of how she had come to know God in a new way that caused her to have joy. And as a result of coming to know God in this new way, of course, she had come to know God within her own womb, okay? As a result of having come to know God in this new way, her soul, her emotional being began to magnify in God and say, God, I know who you are and I know what you are doing right here. And I just want to say, how, I just want to talk about how great you are. I want to talk about how great I have discovered you to be in my life. The reason why she could have emotion and magnifying God is because she had found out a truth about God that she didn't know before. And that's so important for us to understand and mark this statement down. True worship begins with your spirit, not your soul. True, spirit be, true worship begins with your spirit. It begins with you coming to know God for who he is. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 4 and verse number 24 when he said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's where, that's where true worship begins is from your spirit, the part of you that relates to God according to God's truth. And, and we see this demonstrated from Mary here in the scripture. So many people, they feel like they haven't really worshipped God unless they've had an emotional experience. All right? They don't feel like they worship God unless they hear a song that makes them cry. They don't feel like they've truly worshipped God unless they hear a beat that makes them want to move. Um, they don't feel like they've truly worshipped God unless they've had an emotional experience. So many churches today are talking about their worship services as being worship experiences because it's all about the experience. Let me tell you something. You can have an emotional experience and not worship the Lord. But you cannot worship the Lord truly without uh, receiving a truth that affects you on an emotional level. And we get, that, we get that backwards in our day and time. But, but true worship begins with your spirit. In other words, you find out something about God. He's holy. Or maybe you find out you have a great need in your life and God answers that need. God answers that prayer. And you find out that God's a provider. You find out that God's sovereign because he orchestrated the circumstances of your life to bring you to a desired haven here today. And you see God for who he is. And once you see God for who he is, boy, that ought to get you to a place of emotion where your soul cries out, God. God, you're great. God, I've seen how you worked in my life and I just want to praise you. Do you see how those two things are connected? It starts with your spirit. You knowing God for who he is and it results in your soul, your emotional being wanting to cry out and praise to God. I've done this before. I've asked people after worship, I've seen them crying or, or seen them having a, uh, having a moment during a, a worship time. And uh, I've, I've sometimes asked someone, uh, what was God speaking to your heart about? They don't have a clue. Friend, you can shed a tear, you can do all kinds of things without truly worshiping the Lord. But if you truly worship the Lord, you're going to have to know what it is that you're worshiping Him for. Spirit and truth. I know Baptist churches oftentimes get criticized for being dead as a doornail when it comes to the subject of worship. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with raising a hand in worship. I don't think there's anything wrong with shouting out a hallelujah, praise to God. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing, the, doing some of these things that the Bible mentions, but if we're doing those things to the exclusion of truly worshiping God according to truth from our spirits identifying with God, we are, not truly, we are not truly worshiping God. And Mary makes this clear. The reason she worshiped God is because of what she had just found out about God, and that caused her emotions to want to praise God in this moment. And uh, Mary's hallelujah then began with praising God for who he is. How did Mary find out who God is? She found out who God is from his word and from her own personal experience. You know, in these 10 verses of Mary's hallelujah, she quotes no less than at least 15 passages of scripture. Mary knew her Bible. You know how she knew who God was? God had revealed himself to her in his word and now in Mary's own personal experience when that messenger came and told her more about God. And that was what provoked her to understand who God is and brought her to this place of true worship. You want to know who God is today? You want to have a real reason to be able to worship the Lord today? You need to get in your Bible and let God reveal himself to you for who he really is. You will never have a sincere worship in your life right? as when you get a hold of a truth about God and your heart 
is compelled to truly cry out in praise to him. You say, well, I, you know what, I like worship because I really like the beat of that song. Well, it's fine if you like the beat, but the beat, just, just liking the beat to a song is not leading you to truly worship. Now, if you say, I really like the message of that song, that's a whole different story. That can be true worship. So understand the difference there. And I think we get lost in this sometimes. Listen to me. I'm going to park on this for a minute because I feel like God's wanting me to. I have people tell me all the time, well, pastor, we don't sing enough of the old hymns here. Well, pastor, I don't like those old hymns. We don't sing enough of the new songs. And uh, I get all of it, all right? Well, I don't like any of the songs we sing. All right, well, there you go. I usually tell people, I didn't enjoy that worship today. I usually tell them, that's good. It wasn't for you anyways, okay? Now, where in the world was I going with that? Oh, I know where I was going with that. If the songs we're singing express a truth about God that we can get a hold of, and let that truth penetrate our hearts to cause us to want to, from our souls, from all of, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, worship God for that truth. That's where true worship can happen. I'm not really for a lot of these 7-Eleven songs where you sing the same, same, uh, same seven words 11 times, okay? Because there's not a whole lot of deep truth in those kinds of things. But any song that can, can, I, can connect you to who God is so that you can worship God for who he is, that's, that's where true worship begins, is from your spirit. You want to sing a hallelujah? Praise God for who he is. And once you praise God for who he is, this is the second part of a biblical, biblical hallelujah, then you can praise God for what he does. Praise God for what he does. You see, Mary praised God for who she had come to know him to be, and then after she praised him for who she had come to know him to be, then she proceeded to praise God for what she began to see he had done in her life. Those two things are connected. I don't have time to park on these. We're almost out of time, but look at verse 47 with me if you would. First, she began to praise God for what he had done for her personally. And, he, and she said, and my, spirit, uh, verse, uh, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. You know, she called God her Savior the fact that she called God her Savior tells us that she understood she needed a Savior. And uh, Mary was not a perfect person and she knew it. Verse 48, For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Why would Mary praise God? Why would God think about somebody like me? Why would God allow me this privilege of bearing his son into the world? Verse 49, For he that is mighty has done to me great things, magnificent things, and holy is his name. She praised God for his miracle working power in her, in her life that she had experienced. She began to sing a hallelujah of praise to God because he's holy. God, you're not like anybody else. I don't know anybody like you. You're, you're exalted above all others. You're holy. She began to praise God personally here. But then we also see that she went on to praise God universally for blessings that he'd given to all people. You look at verse number 40, look at verse number 50. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Aren't you glad that God is good in every generation? In every generation? She says, God, you've shown mercy in those who've come before me. You've shown mercy to me, and you're going to show mercy to those who are coming after me. How is he going to do that? Verse 51, he has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts here He's, she's speaking of how God is helping the helpless people. In verse 52, he has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Here she speaks about how God shows mercy to, to the humble people. In verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich has he sent empty away. Here she speaks of how God has showed mercy by satisfying the hungry with good things. And I, I think it's interesting how Mary's praise of God kind of turns everything upside down. Um, the poor are made rich, the hungry are filled with food, uh, the weak are made strong. You know, that's what happens when God enters into our life. He changes everything. And it's one of the reasons that we have to sing an alleluia of praise to him. The final thing that Mary praises the Lord for here involves what God does or, uh, for, for his people specifically, in verse number 54, he has hopen or helped or strengthened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Hey, God had helped his people, Israel, in their low estate. 
He has kept his promises to them. Though it had taken years for those promises to come to pass, the Messiah was coming into the world just as God promised he was going to come. Can I, and let me just give a hallelujah of praise to God. I'm so thankful that God still preserves his saints today. I'm so thankful that God still takes care of His people today. We have so many reasons, and Mary expressed some of her reasons for why she wanted to sing a hallelujah of praise to the Lord. But I wonder today, what are your reasons? What reasons do you have to praise God for what He has done in your life? Until you get a hold of who God really is, you'll not be able to truly comprehend all of what it is that He has done in your life. You know, the older I get, the more I appreciate um, the things that God has done in my life. I've thought about this as well. The older I get, the more I appreciate the things my parents have done, my grandparents have done. And now that I have kids of my own, I'm reminded more and more all the time, wow, I didn't even know they were doing all that. I think it's also true of God. The older and more mature we get in our faith, the more reasons we see in our life of how God just takes care of us, how good God's been to us. And friend, this season ought to be a season where we're, we're reminded of those abundant blessings that he's poured out into our life. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was, is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let us not forget all of his benefits. May that be one of our prayers during this season of life. But one aspect of Mary's song that was curious to me, and this is what I'd like to conclude with here today, was how abruptly it ends. She doesn't say, in Jesus' name, amen. It just kind of ends. She stops singing. And uh, it just uh, it doesn't have a, a finality to the end of uh, the verse of her song that she's singing here. And I wondered why. why. Why did it end so abruptly? And here is what the Lord spoke to my heart about. Because Mary's song never truly came to an end. She kept singing it throughout the rest of her days. Every time she held that baby and he smiled and she realized who he was. As he grew, oftentimes in the gospel accounts we find that the Bible over and over says that Mary pondered these things in her heart when she, when she thought about what Jesus was doing. And the song went on. She kept praising and she kept praising. And every day she came up with new reasons to sing hallelujah of praise to Jesus Christ for who he is and for what he had done in her life. I'm going to tell you, as you walk through this life, your song never has to come to an end either. Every day, you can be reminded of fresh reasons, another verse of praise, another reason to sing Alleluia to the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. I like the old hymn we sing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. And your whole life can be filled with hallelujahs. You just be willing to look back and see how God has orchestrated the events of your life to bring you where you're at today. Those things ought to fill your hearts with the reasons that you have to sing Alleluia. And friend, there's so much application to this. Your life is a stanza and the greatest song that's ever been written, the song of our redemption. And you get to add your own verses every single day. I wonder if you and your life during this season of Christmas will take some time to sing your own Alleluia of praise to God who sent His Son to be a sacrifice for your sins. Let's all bow our